So as I said, we're going to start out reading in the book of Genesis chapter 12, and um, I will start in verse 11, and this is talking about Abram, it says, And it came to pass, when he came near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife. Then shall they say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass, when Abram was come into Egypt, that the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and asses and maidservants, and manservants and maidservants, and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Aaron's wife. And Pharaoh called Aaron and said, What is this thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me she was thy wife? Why saidst thou she is my sister? I might have taken her to my wife. Now therefore, behold, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning them, and they sent him away. And all his wife, and, and his wife, and all that he had. Now that was not actually um, the passage that I wanted to read. Um, there's another passage, I believe, dealing with Elimelech, where again, because Abraham does this twice, again he lies, again he says, "This is my sister," and again she's taken into his house. And this time the penalty was barrenness for the whole household of the king. And I apologize for reading the wrong passage, but the point that I'm trying to get to is, in this culture, in this time um, in which these stories took place, we see that barrenness was considered a curse. And very much in this society in which we now live in the U.S., we often see it as a blessing Sadly, I believe, even among many Christians who treat um, the prospect of children as commodities rather than the blessing that God commands them to be. And the significance of this in today's main passage um, is the fact that we have a situation where Joseph is now in Egypt. He's about to be called out of prison, but Joseph was the 11th of 12 sons. And um, if you just think about that fact for a moment, how significant that is, that um, a lot of times people, when you have 11 or 12 kids um, in today's day and age, um, and and my parents can attest to this, that um, people think that you're strange, uh, they give you funny looks, they may say um, some insensitive things, but in reality, um, I can tell you that I wouldn't have it any other way. All of my siblings are very important to me and to my success. And so all that to say that I believe that God's um, blessings are clear as far as how he feels about children. It's one of the very few things that God says directly is a blessing from the Lord. So I just wanted to start out 
um, with those words before we jumped into tonight's message. And we are continuing through the life of Joseph. Um, I know this morning we talked about Esther and how God worked behind the scenes in Esther's life um, to work out his will in, in her life. And uh, um, so we're going to see very similar things in Joseph's life. Joseph is in a pagan uh, society who does not care anything for God, but we're going to see that God blesses as he has throughout Joseph's life. Remember, he first blessed him when he was, he was thrown in the pit. He goes as a slave. He blesses Potiphar's household for the sake of Joseph. And then he, uh, he blesses Potiphar's household, or he blesses the prison for Joseph's uh, presence there. And Joseph becomes the head of all the prison. And so now we're going to see the kind of the end result, if you will, of God giving Joseph success. And I have simply titled tonight's message, God Grants Joseph Success. Um, and if we look uh, at the first point here, Pharaoh is going to have a dream. So let's look at Pharaoh's dream, first of all, in Genesis. Actually, um, yes, 41, Genesis 41, uh, we're starting out here, um, and uh, we'll read the first eight verses. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fled in the meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up out of the river ill-favored and lean-fleshed and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-favored kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that can interpret them unto Pharaoh. So Pharaoh has this dream, and he has this quandary, because he goes and he calls all of his wise men together. He says, here's my dream. Uh, tell me the interpretation of it. And all these wise men couldn't come up with an answer for Pharaoh. Um, a lot of times when crises occur uh, here in our country, uh, I, I see on the media and just talking to people around who don't know the Lord, they kind of scratch their head and they say, what, what do we do about this? How can we handle this? But, and, and they'll do everything but look up. And I'm reminded of the, the last hurricane season that we had, which was brutal. There were hurricanes that touched down in Houston and uh, several other places. Puerto Rico is still recovering. 
I heard about a school that just recently got power within the last couple of days after going over like 100 days without power. And so just the massive amount of destruction that took place during this hurricane season. But I remember very clearly the hurricane in Florida, the latest hurricane in Florida, how they kept showing satellite images and the hurricane basically covered the whole state of Florida. And everybody was saying, this is going to be devastating. The state could be wiped out. They could be, you know, brought back years. However you want to say it, it was just so bad. And I remember that our church, along with many other people, believers in Jesus Christ around the country, hit our knees. And we asked God to give mercy to Florida. And then, when he did, even though there was devastation in Florida, don't get me wrong, there were people that were devastated there, but it was a lot less harsh than they were expecting. And when that happened, when that became true, those same people that were saying, our thoughts and prayers are with you, were saying, boy, weren't they lucky. They dodged the big one. There, my friends, there was no, nothing having to do with luck that had to do with any of that. It happened because there's a God in heaven, and when we begged for mercy, he gave mercy. When it didn't need to be. And I have friends that can attest to God's mercy during that time. There's a God in heaven and he is in control and he is working all things according to his plan. And so we see that the Pharaoh is in his quandary and I wonder if we can look at Matthew chapter 27 verse 19 Matthew 27 19 if you get there before I do go ahead and read it Matthew 27 19 um, tells us of another dream that was had and its significance so why don't you read that for us Timothy while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Okay, so in this situation we have Pilate um, having his wife had a dream. And she came to him and said, Have nothing to do with this just man. And of course, uh, we're talking about Jesus here. And... Um, I've heard it said by many preacher when they're talking about um, marriage and, and many uh, radio hosts when they're talking about marriage that one of the, one of the things that, that a man should do in order to have success is to trust the discretion of his wife. And that is definitely something that Pilate should have done. He should have said, I'm not even going to hear this case because my wife has a premonition, I'm going to listen to her, and I'm not going to touch it. But we know that he didn't, um, and instead went his own way, and is, is ingrained in history as the one who allowed Jesus to be crucified, even though he said, I have nothing to do with it. He was indeed consenting to his death. Um, 
So let's go back to Genesis chapter 41, and we'll see a resolve in our second point. Remember, we've had the, the setup, we've had the dream, and all these wise men of the the Pharaoh don't know what to do. Um, um, they've heard uh, they've heard everything, and they don't have an answer. So we're going to start reading in um, back in. Uh, Genesis 41 here, starting with verse 9, Genesis 41, verse 9, and this next point is, Joseph is remembered. Um, If we could go back just a little bit, um, to, uh, let me see here. Um, if we go back to verse 23 of um, Genesis 40, we read this. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. That's actually where we left Joseph last time, was that the chief butler, who had been restored to power, forgot Joseph. After he had interpreted the stream, after no doubt the chief butler had seen the wisdom of Joseph and the way that he operated as the head of the prison there under the jailer, he forgot him. And so that's the situation that we come to with our second point, and that is Joseph remembered. And uh, we're going to read um, from uh, Genesis 41, 9 to 15. Then spake the chief butler unto the Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day, Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And, and there was there a young man, a Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was, he restored unto mine office. So it was, me he restored unto my office, and him he hanged. Then the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none to interpret it, and I have heard it said of thee, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Now, I know Joseph said to the to the butler, he said, remember me when you get out of prison. Now, I don't know what Joseph was thinking he would do after prison, but chances are he was not thinking that he would have an audience with the Pharaoh, that he would go from prison to this audience with the Pharaoh, but that is where he finds himself. Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and, and he must have had a lot of trust in his um, butler. There must have been a lot of trust there, because as soon as the butler says, I, I forgot Joseph, but he, he can help you, uh, the Pharaoh acts and calls Joseph. 
says he brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. I think when I think about this story, I think a lot about the people that we consider overnight successes. You know, one day you don't know their name at all, and the next day everybody's talking about them. Whether it be in music, or whether it be in sports, or whatever the, the, the circle or the, the circle of influence might be, these happen often. And the thing is, there's a lot of days before that one night that go into them. Esther, who we talked about this morning, is actually a perfect example. She was actually in the palace for a good two or three years before she was chosen as queen. And I don't know how much longer it was before she actually saved her people by telling the king about the situation with this wicked Haman, but, but it was a long period of time. But what was it that Mordecai said? He said, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And we can see a similar pattern happening in, uh, in Joseph's life. Um, as we look through this passage. And uh, so Joseph is now standing before the Pharaoh. And it reminded me of another young man. Um, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, but first I want to read, by way of cross-reverence, Psalm 113, 7 and 8. Psalm 113, 7 and 8. If someone can get to that and read it for us, that would be awesome. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. So this was the case of our friend Joseph here. He was, he was one of the youngest children of his father, Jacob. And he was not well esteemed by his brothers. They hated him. They sold him into slavery. Um, so he was demoted to the pit and then demoted to slavery. He became a slave, but everywhere he went, he was raised up to be in a higher position. And each of these things that he did while he was in this situation, were things that prepared him for um, his place of honor and place of leadership. So, um, that leads us to our third point, which is Joseph gives Pharaoh God's answer. Now Joseph is going to uh, be very clear as we get into our third section, Genesis 41, 16 to 36, that this answer is not going to come from him. And uh, it's a long uh, passage, 
this second, this third section, but I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing, make a few comments. So, here we go. Genesis 41, 16 to 36. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of a river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed on the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored, and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it should be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke. And I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, fallen good. And behold, seven ears withered and thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin ears developed, devoured the seven good ears. And I told the son to the magicians, but there was none that could declare it unto me. And Joseph said unto the Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is what? God hath shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty years blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I spoke unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty, throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall rise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following it, for it shall be very grievous. And for the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is God, and God will surely bring it to pass. Now therefore, Pharaoh, look out a man discreet and wise, and send him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of the good years that come, and lay up the corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep the food in the cities. And that food which shall be in store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine." So Moses, or Moses, uh, so Joseph lays out the stream. And of course, the, one of the things that's amazing to me is he doesn't say like Daniel does in, in uh, Daniel uh, chapter 5, I believe, that he's going to go back and pray about this. God gives him wisdom immediately to answer the stream. It may even be that um, God had given uh, Joseph a foreshadowing. I don't know. It's not in the scriptures. If it was important to be in the scriptures, it would have been. But I do find it interesting that Joseph answers Pharaoh right away, saying, it is not in me, but God will give you an answer. And he says, God will give you an answer of peace. I find that very interesting. Because he, he says I'm, he's going to give you good news right off the bat. 
And so he lays out the fact that there's going to be seven years of famine, or seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of, of famine. And so he's like, if you have someone wise planning for the seven years of famine, during the seven years of plenty, then we will always have plenty here in Egypt. That's basically what he says. And think about this. I'm sure Joseph is not trying to sell himself. He's just being honest. But think about the things that Joseph did. He went to Potiphar's house. And what does it say about Potiphar's house? It says that Potiphar was blessed so much because of Joseph's work that he didn't think about anything except for the food that he would eat. It says there was such blessing in Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. Because the Lord was with him. Remember that phrase, the Lord was with him. And then he goes to jail for something he didn't do. And what happens immediately there? The jailer sees that he's a wise man, puts him in charge of the whole prison, says, you only report to me. And again, he prospered because the Lord was with him. So do you think um, that when he came to Egypt, he was prepared to be the second in command? No. But when he came to Egypt, he was made a slave and he learned to serve. You know, they say that in order to be a good leader, you must first be a good follower. As men who are married or aspire to be married... What does Paul say to us? He says we must love our wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Lay down our lives for her. We are to be servant leaders. A, an elder in the assembly is to serve others. All of the, the leadership posts that you find, if you find successful leadership in the Bible, it is because they have a servant's heart. God said to Saul, I have found someone who is better than you who will do everything that is in my heart. And that's what he said about David. Because David, though he made mistakes, his heart was fixed on God, and when he did sin, it ripped him up inside until he made it right. And that's the kind of leaders that we need today. And so Joseph is simply going through and saying, okay, Pharaoh, this is the situation. You're going to have seven of the greatest years you've ever had here in Egypt, and then you're going to have seven of the worst years. <laughs> so here's the deal. You've got to prepare. And... Uh, so, we will now see, um, well first, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. This is Paul talking about where he got his wisdom to, to lead people to the Lord and to um, train them in the things of God. So if someone has that... Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything 
as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So, first, Paul says, we are not sufficient in ourselves. That's the first step you need to come to if you're going to become a believer in Jesus Christ, is to say, I'm not sufficient in myself. I can't do this. But when you submit to that, when you say, I can't do this, when you say, I'm not sufficient, then what does verse 7 say? It says that God made us sufficient. Servants of God. Because first, we admitted that we weren't, and then God filled in the gaps and made us who we are. God plus anyone is a majority. God used Paul, who was a murderer. He used Moses, who was a timid shepherd. Interestingly enough, there's evidence in the book of Acts that Moses thought as a young man that God was going to use him to deliver the Hebrews, but he wasn't ready. God had to lead him to the back of a desert before he was ready. Sometimes we want to do the next big thing for God, and he's saying, I still have lessons to teach you. Every aspect of our lives is teaching and training us to be conformed more to the image of his son. And so now we see Pharaoh elevates Joseph to second in command. As we read this final portion, think about this. Probably an hour or two before this, Joseph was still sitting in a prison. He may have had a place of leadership, but it was still jail. And now he's about to become the most powerful man in Egypt, save the Pharaoh himself. Let's look at verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? man in whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For so much as God has showed thee all thee, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set before you, set thee over the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine that? A slave from the pit of prison is t- 
told by Pharaoh, I'm setting you over my whole house. And perhaps this would have freaked another person out. But because Joseph had experience with this, he was ready. Guess what? He was put over the whole house of Potiphar, and what happened? He prospered because the Lord was with him. And we're going to see next time that he will prosper to the point where he will save much people alive, meaning his family. And we all know how God works, and we can be thankful for it. But just think about the fact. I mean, ten kids would be nothing to sneeze at. So think about the fact if Abram hadn't had any more, if, if Jacob hadn't had any more children after number ten. Joseph the Deliverer was still on his way. And uh, God worked out his will through this youngest child that no one thought much of. But just think about some of this stuff that the Pharaoh says. He says, Can we find such a one as this in whom... The Spirit of God is. You know, we don't read much about the Holy Spirit being in a person or upon a person in the Old Testament. But we read it here with Joseph. He says the Spirit of God is in. He, a pagan leader, who probably had many gods and was told by many that he was God, still recognized that this man Joseph had the power of God's spirit in him. And then he says unto Joseph, For so much as God has shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. What did the psalmist say? He said, I am wiser than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. If you want to be known as wise beyond your years, be men and women of the word of God. What I find most interesting about Joseph is he was born before the law was written. As far as I know, they didn't have any written word of God at this point when Joseph was born. And yet his father, I'm sure, had talked to him about the true and living God. And God had spoken to him and he had listened all the way through. Not always with the wisdom because he was very ready to share with his brothers his dreams even though he knew it would make them upset. But he was always ready to listen, and God was speaking to him because he was listening. So a question for you today is, are you listening to God? It's a question for me too. Every day when I have the opportunity to influence and educate children, it's humbling to realize that 
I am having a part in preparing the leaders of tomorrow to defend the word of God, to love others, and to love Jesus, hopefully with all their hearts. That's what it's all about. And Jesus had not come on the scene here yet, but, but the love of God is all over this story. Because as Joseph trusted God, God stayed with Joseph and he never left him. Whether it was the pit or the dungeon or the Pharaoh's court, God was with him. And then he says, um, I have set you over the land of Egypt. And he takes off his ring and he puts it upon his hand and he raised him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. That also reminds me of the way the Lord will adorn us one day in robes of white. Not because we earned it. There's nothing Joseph could have done to earn this post. He was in a prison. He simply had to accept it as favor from the Pharaoh that God was working through. And uh, he made him to ride in the second chariot and he said, bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. It's not just some. It wasn't a provisional post. It wasn't a trial basis. It was I'm making you ruler over all the land of Egypt. I wonder what the people in the court, um, all those wise men were thinking at that time. They said, we just dragged this slave out of prison and now he's our boss. How, how in the world did that happen? But see, when God does things, he does things big. He does things in unexpected ways. He does things in ways that he will get the honor. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Everybody had to go to Joseph for approval to do anything in the whole land of Egypt. And here his brothers thought they sold him into slavery and that he was still languishing as a slave and he was the most powerful man in Egypt. Just like that. And we will pick up next time with more of his story. But I just want to encourage you that God is working in your life too and he has a plan. We don't often see very much of it. Um... But when we look back at these Bible stories, we can see how God wove a tapestry for his people through these stories as we've gone through the Hall of Faith. Remember, the reason Joseph is in the Hall of Faith isn't even for actually any of these things. The one mention that it has in Hebrews chapter 11 is when Joseph said to his people, I know that one day God is going to call you out from this land and when he does, take my bones with you because he will deliver us. That's the one thing, of all the things that Joseph did, that's the one thing that's mentioned in the Hall of Faith 
Because as amazing as it was that he was the second in command of the Pharaoh, the most important thing is that he had faith that God would keep his ultimate promise to his people. And that was that Egypt was temporary. He has ultimate promises for you and I as well. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again to receive you. He's coming again to receive us if we have received him as our Lord and Savior. And my prayer for you is that you have done that and that if you haven't done that, you will do it before it's too late. It's the only hope for America and it's the only hope for the world is to bow the knee before Jesus Christ. Because one day, the one that they have pierced, the one that we have pierced, will stand in a very similar procession and be declared the king of the world as he rightfully should be. When he puts his feet back on the earth and when we as believers reign with him as kings and priests. And I'm looking forward to that day and I trust and hope that you are as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Joseph. We thank you that you used this young man who was one of the youngest, probably wasn't thought much of, but you knew that you had a plan for his life. Thank you for using my feeble voice and... um, these feeble words to hopefully minister to those here. Thank you for speaking to me about your truth through this time. And now we just ask that you would go with us and bring us safely to our homes. I ask that you would bless everyone here and uh, that you would uh, just make your face shine upon us and give us peace. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we can sing before we go uh, the uh, hymn, I'm trying to think what it is, Worthy, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, Thou hast made us kings and priests. It would be good to uh, praise our Lord Jesus. The words are hymn number nine in the black book. Nope, that's the wrong one. Worthy, worthy. You got it? One forty. One four zero. All right. Worthy.